Mishnah Torah, Perek Kaf Bet. We're in the middle of the Perek. Yesterday we did the beginning of the Perek until the end of Halachayot Bet, which deals with the Melachot, the Shebuyot that, that are related to the Melachot of Bishul, uh, its various forms, for example, Afia and uh, and uh, things that look like it. And from now on, we are going to deal with some other Halachot, Yud Gima, through the rest of the Perek. Uh, and, and again, this is a very good opportunity to understand the underlying melachot by learning the shavuot that relates to them. Halachayut Gimal. Anotel se'ar miguf ha'adam hayav mishum gozez. There is a melacha of geziza ha'gozez. And um, cutting or removing hair from a human body is part of that melacha. A person who does that purposely would be hayav sekila or karet and and karet and uh, sorry sekila or karet and a person who does it beshogeg would be hayav korban. Therefore, it's forbidden to wash the hand with something that it is certain that it's going to remove hair from the hands because this is a uh, an example of uh, of pesik reshe velo yamut pesik reshe which is hayav according to Harambam. Umutar lahofet hayadaim be'afar levona ve'afar pilpelim ve'afar yasmin v'chayoseh b'hen ve'eno choshes shemei yashir se'ar shal yadosh har eno mitkaven. However, it's permissible to wash your hands with things like uh, dried powder of certain flowers. All of these things they used to use as soap back in the day. Because it's not certain that hair will come off by that process. And then it becomes Davar Shenomikaven, which makes it Mutar. If he mix, there is a mixture of, let's say, a dry, dry pulverized powder of jasmine flowers. It's one of the things that is Enomashir with something like ahala, which is mashir, um, just for what ahala exactly is, um, it's part of borit that, that we find everywhere. And uh, it's something that comes from burning, uh, from burning something very alkaline, and it has the quality of really removing hair. Very, uh, it's a very strong, very strong chemical that removes dirt and also removes hair. It's forbidden to look at a uh, reflecting surface. Back then, instead of mirrors, they used to use uh, very fine metals. So, is some fine sheet of metal that people used to use for uh, reflective purposes, like a mirror. Because the concern is that you might use that very sheet of metal, which is sharp on its edges, to if you see any hair that's out of place, you just go with the hair next to the edge of it and use it as a knife to cut it, even if it's attached to the wall. But something that's not made of metal, then it's permissible to use on Shabbat, like our mirrors even if it's not attached to the wall, which increases, presumably, the concern that you'll use it to cut hair. Halachat <laughs> includes also 
not only taking the raw wool and whitening it, which is what melaben means, but any kind of laundry would be within melaben. And a, 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 someone who removes water, who dries up clothes that are drenched in water, right? So that action is part of the act of, of laundry. And this is also within the melacha, is a tolada of mechabes. Therefore, Chachamim forbade to use drenched cloths as, a, as some kind of a, to, 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 to close some orifices, some holes in a very tight way, um, because this can bring you to want to extract the water from this cloth, and extracting water from the cloth is part of Mechabes. Also, you should not use a sponge to dry things. Unless the sponge has something that's not spongy, a handle that's not spongy, if another material, because then you can hold it from there, and it's not necessarily the case. At the moment you hold the drenched sponge, you're going to, to drain it from water. So too, if you have any uh, container filled with water, you should not use a cloth that's not designated for that purpose to, to cover it, because it might get wet and you might come to want to drain it, which is a melacha. If a container filled with wine or with oil gets broken during Shabbat, you're allowed to take whatever you need for that Shabbat, for him and for his guests, for the person and for his guests, not more than that, so long as if this is wine, he doesn't use a sfog, a, a sponge to capture the wine, or if it's oil, he doesn't use a cloth. It's a different action, but it's the same. It's the same, really. You can describe it in the same way. You take a cloth and put it on top of it, and then you drain it, etc. Because if you do it in the same way you do it on hol, then you, you might come to the melacha of sahita. So this is an example of a shavut that Chachamim forbade because it might lead to the melacha of sahita. Okay, so we cannot use a sponge, we cannot use a cloth. How am I supposed to get the wine from the floor, or the oil from the floor? Now, what you have to do is to put some kind of a container under the now broken and dripping uh, container of wine or of oil. However, it's forbidden to uh, make a whole system of many utensils to capture the wine dripping from all corners of the broken pieces of this havit, because if you do so, you may run out of utensils and you may go to Rashut Arabim to bring more, which is another melacha. If, however, he has guests, then Chachamim permitted adding more than one utensil to capture this dripping oil or wine. 
because obviously uh, he this is a special situation. He's paying more attention to it, and it's permitted to even invite guests. So let's say that the Havit just broke and I want to save all of this very expensive wine or oil, I can call my neighbors and tell them right away, come quickly, be my guests right now. And then once they are in, you can use more utensils from obviously from within the house. Um, and it's permitted to, to do this loophole. Now something a little more relevant over days, if a person has some sort of dry mud on his clothes, on, on his garments. He should rub it from inside. In other words, uh, if you hold or put your fingers on the other side of the cloth and holding both ends, you rub one against the other so that the dry mud or any other um, material comes off. That's fine. So you, your fingers are not on the side of, of the of the stain. Your fingers are on the other side. But not from the outside. Because on the outside, if you do it in the same way you do it normally, you might come to be mechabes. However, not rubbing one piece of the cloth against the other, which is too close to mechabes, but with your nail, with your fingernail, it's permissible to try to, to, scrap, to scrape it off. And this doesn't bring to the same risk, to the same concern of perhaps you'll come to be to wash it. Now, not in a case of stains, but generally it's forbidden to take a sudar. A uh, sudar is something that people used to use for a lot of purposes. It was a piece of cloth that people carried with them. They'd use it sometimes. Sudar sometimes, the same piece of cloth is used around the head. Uh, that's what triggers Beracha of the morning that we say every single morning if we put something on our head. But also a sudar was used for uh, hygiene purposes to, for, to, to dry sweat and so on and so forth. So that's something that gets uh, very dirty all the time. And the way to clean it is actually to rub one again, one side of it against the other. So that's forbidden to do on Shabbat. But the haluk, another piece of clothing that you wear on top of your body, that's permissible because the only reason you'd you'd rub one side against the other is not to clean it, but just to uh, to, to to soften the the the, the, the fabric. If uh, you step on dog excrement or something like that, or uh, mud, and you want to clean your shoe, it's permissible to sort of like put it quickly inside a, a little pool of water, but it's forbidden to completely submerge it and thereby wash it, even though it's not made of cloth. And it's forbidden also to be megared to, uh, to, um, to, to clean, to scrape off in the same way that we permitted it on a cloth. It's not permitted to do so with shoes because that's the way to clean them. But you're allowed to this is something that 
can be interpreted for for uh, for our days as well you are allowed not paint of course but you are allowed to on shabbat to to put some kind of an oil um on top of the shoe to make it shine so to shoe shine with oil an old shoe is mutar on shabbat however if there is a stain of something it's forbidden to scrape it off to clean it off kar okeset A karokeset means a, a pillow or some kind of a, um, a, a cushion that it's dirty, it's permissible to clean with a dry cloth, but if it was from leather, um, it's even permissible to add water to it, to, to clean it with water until it, uh, it gets cleaned. If someone's hand gets dirty in mud, then this obviously back in the day was much more relevant. They didn't have running water in their homes. So you could use the tail of a horse or of a cow to clean yourself with it. Uh, in our days, that, that would be considered making your hand very dirty, but back in the day, that, that's how they cleaned. Or a very hard kind of cloth, the kind of cloth that you'd use if you wanted to remove thorn from somewhere, but not a very soft kind of fabric, because instinctively you'll want to clean it afterwards. Halakha also very relevant. After washing with water, one may use a towel to dry themselves. And then even though even after it's wet, they can handle that towel, the wet drenched towel in water. And there is no hashash that he's going to go through sehita. Because it's uh, it's something that people are used to towels becoming wet, and there is no instinct to want to drain it. So too, uh, and someone whose uh, whose clothes fell to the water while he was walking, he can continue going with them. There is no hashash that is going to want to drain them. However, it's forbidden to lay them down to dry. Again, it's forbidden to lay down wet clothes to dry uh, because even inside the house, because people might say that he, he laundered them during Shabbat. And anything that Hachamim forbade because of what people might see, even in the privacy of one's home, this remains forbidden. Uh, this is talking about mikvaot, one mikveh on top of another one. Uh, and you want to, one of them is a mikveh of maim uh, hayim, of water that comes, rainwater. The other one is maim is sheuvim. 
and you want them to touch, which is what you do in order for the, the Maimshovim to become kasher. So it's permissible to remove that uh, pekak, which back in the day used to be a piece of cloth that gets trenched with water and it expands and then it closes that hole between them. On that moment, we have no concern that he might want to drain the water, given that he's, he's right now, uh, in, in, in his mind, what he wants to cause is uh, for the water to touch with one another. He's not thinking about the cloth that, it's, that he's now holding. So too, if someone has... Uh, on their houses, on uh, some gutters or some other pipes of uh, water disposal, it's permissible to to close them with uh, with any cloth, so that uh, to prevent the water from coming to foods or to some other things that might get drained. However, um, if if what you want. Is uh, is to to redirect the water from the from the from that drain, from that uh, gutter or, or whatever, so that it goes to a well. Then that's forbidden because by, by virtue of you wanting to control the pressure and to want more water to come here or there, then we have the hashash. You might be tempted to uh, handle the volume of that cloth drenched with water by draining it. It's forbidden to very carefully um, fold clothes. Let me let me be very precise here. Um, so betiyach levgadim literally means the, the the sleeves of clothes and to and to fold them into sections shevarim shevarim like people do. In, in after laundry in hall. So too, it's forbidden to generally uh, fold things on Shabbat, fold clothes like you do on hall, with clothes that you are that you just uh, laundered. In other words, uh, this is something that um, only applies. When you are trying to actually, um, you are trying to finish the process of laundry. So what happens when you launder something? Let's say you launder launder a shirt. It's very wrinkly, and the way they did it back in the day before they had irons was to fold it. When you fold something, you are forcing the fabric to extend a little more, and that way you take care of some of the of the wrinkles. So this is a wrinkle control mechanism. If you are not doing it for wrinkle control. Many hachamim would say that there is no issue. So there is no issue for harambam to fold your talit unless it's very wrinkly. And by folding it, you are taking care of those wrinkles. However, if this is the only cloth you have and you want to take care of those wrinkles, it is permissible. Take that uh, cloth fold it so the wrinkles are taken care of, it becomes nicer, prettier, and you wear that on Shabbat. But this exception only applies with a cloth that's not old and is white. Because um, 
right away it's going whatever benefit you get from folding it and getting those wrinkles taken care of is going to be lost right away and when when uh, you do fold in this exception you do it one person alone but not more than one person just a correction of what I said about the white cloth. So the reason it's permissible only with white is not because you're going to lose that benefit right after you fold it, but rather because if you don't fold it, it's going to be very ugly and very noticeable. And for Kevoda Shabbat, Hachamim permitted it. Again, this doesn't mean that anything that's done for Kevoda Shabbat suddenly becomes mutar if it's a Shavut. Let's not make rules out of examples. Uh, coloring something is one of the avot melachot. Therefore, it's forbidden for a woman to apply makeup on her face. That's serak. And this is not kehol. Uh, kehol, the, the um, eyeliner, is even stricter. And that is going to be discussed on... Um, on, um, in the next chapter on Halakha Yod Bet. Here is Sarak is actually applying a layer of something just exactly like today's makeup. So my opinion is that according to Harambam, it's forbidden uh, as a Shavuot for women to wear makeup on, uh, to, to apply makeup on Shabbat. Another Melacha that, that uh, we are going to Relay a shavut from is tofer sewing something. Therefore, if you have new pillowcases or pillows before they are sewn together, it's forbidden on Shabbat to fill them up with the cotton or any other material that makes it uh, puffy because you might come to uh, want to also close it on Shabbat. However, if they were already inside and they come off during Shabbat, you're allowed to retrieve them and to put them back the way they were. Uh, nailing something on the ground is part of the Melachav Bone. Therefore, any door that is on something that's attached to the ground, like doors of any home, any door for any room, is forbidden to um, rem remove them or bring them back because you might come to be tokeya, that door uh, against the floor, to, to, to put it to put the axis uh, against uh, in the ground. However, a door of a, of a um, furniture, something that's not connected to the ground, and also any other door of any other thing that's not connected to the ground. The Mishnah says you may remove them but not put them back. However, although we said you may not be Mahazir, if the Let's say back back then the, the the doors, like some doors, um, maybe some uh, smaller furniture, doesn't have the the kind of axis that most doors today have, but rather has a protrusion 
on the bottom and on the top, which goes inside the hole uh, under it and on top of it. So if the bottom one came off, you're permitted to, uh, uh, to, to, to push it until it's placed. And if this were in the Beit HaMikdash, where Shavuot doesn't apply, Mahazirinato, uh, in other words, this is not a melacha, it, it's only Shavuot, and it's permissible to bring it back completely in the Beit HaMikdash because there's no Shavuot in the Mikdash. However, the top one, this is a Hidush, this is a kind of Shavuot that applies in Beit HaMikdash. It's forbidden even when Beit HaMikdash to bring it back because the concern is greater that you may come to actually be Tokeya. So trivia, if you're ever asked, is there any Shavuot that applies in Beit HaMikdash, you can bring this example. Halakha Kavav, another Halakha that, uh, that can get us in trouble with our female companions. It's forbidden to, uh, on Shabbat, to make, um, um, to, to braid the hair or to, to tie it uh, in, in a shape around the head. You take uh, uh, maybe the bangs and, and you, you bring them, you make some kind of, uh, you make them into, in, into something a little more of a shape and you bring them to the back and then you tie them one with the other. That's poxin. Because Hachamim said this looks like bone, you are constructing a shape on the head, or it looks like it. So too, it's forbidden to uh, put back together a, a lamp that's made of many, like, like a, Hanuk, a menorah that we use for Hanukkah nowadays, uh, that's made of several parts, forbidden to put them back together, or a chair that has several parts, or a table, because it's like bone. It's not bone, as we're going to say, but it's like bone. But if he did put them together, it's patur. Because on kalim, the melacha of binyan and soter, the, the other melacha, don't apply. Uh, now, not not put them together, but if they were, if they were rafui, if they were um, loose, it's permissible to to, uh, to 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 sort of like bring it back to its place. So it's not fully off; it's a little bit off. So then it's permissible to uh, make it fully come back to its place. Something that they used to do back in the day, um, probably on a frequent basis so if a child if they saw that the child's uh, spine wasn't straight they do some kind of chiro practice and they'd uh, they'd go they 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 try to align uh, the all the all the vertebrae with with one another that's forbidden to do on shabbat because it's as if you're constructing as if not the same thing but it's like the same thing of uh, constructing this spine. Also very relevant, making a roof that's meant to be permanent, it's part of bone. forbade a person from doing a non-permanent roof or removing a non-permanent roof, we're going to give many examples now, even if it's for a second, um, that you may not come to 
do the actual permanent roof. But oh, this is only the Rabbanan and the person who did so in a non-permanent way, it's patur. However, the Gezerah is only to make it, not to extend it or to prolong it. How so? Let's say you have a, a, a towel or a sheet on top of four uh, columns, four sticks on the ground with a towel on top of them. And it's affixed to these uh, four poles before Shabbat. So long as it has at least one tefah that's already creating an ohel, you are permitted to extend it even to a much greater area. And I've, I've seen this done um, on uh, on several places. In Batekanesiot, sometimes they have a sukkah, and in places where it rains on top of the sukkah, they, they do some kind of a... Of, of a device that it's uh, there is a little bit of a oil and then you can extend the rest so to prevent the rain from ruining the sukkah that's permissible to do on Shabbat. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> As an advice, do not drink tea and breathe at the same time. It's forbidden to um, extend a um, uh, this, like a mosquito net because you're creating under it an ohel on Shabbat. It's something that they, they, they would put on top of the beds to protect from mosquitoes and perhaps from other rodents or, or pests. However, it's permitted to set up or to place a chair or a table. Uh, I, I've always wondered, before I saw this for the first time, am I allowed to place a table, to open a table on Shabbat? So forget about the, the, the point of Menorah uh, and whether that's permissible or not, but from the point of view of Ohel, by putting a table, I'm creating under it uh, some kind of a roof. So that's permissible, although I am creating a roof, because it's not the way to create a roof. I'm not intending to make a roof, and obviously not within the Gezerah. Any kind of a roof, of a ceiling, that doesn't have a horizontal area of at least a tefah, then by definition, this is not going to be Ohel Keva, it's going to be Ohel Arai. Therefore, anyone setting up such a thing on Shabbat is not Hayab, but Patur. If you have, uh, so I want you to imagine now two poles stuck on the ground, and on top of those two poles, a, a sheet that falls from them on both sides. So if I open it to the sides, I'm going to be creating some sort of a, a tri triangular shape, two roofs that uh, that have a slope, that are sloped. 
that's permissible to do on Shabbat. If it was already, if the top was already affixed to those poles, and all I'm doing is expanding that area, then given that the top will not have a tefah, and even if I did the whole thing from scratch, this would be nothing but ohel aray. Hachamim did not, were not concerned that by doing this kind of ohel aray, I'm going to come to make ohel keva. So it's permissible. Talet kefula shehayu sorry. Vechen haparochet, mutalin tutaha mutalefarekaha. So to a, a parochet, a vertical sheet or curtain, it's permissible to to close it and to open it on Shabbat. This is obviously relevant for shades and all curtains that we have in our residences. Hatanim is a, a fancy kind of a canopy on top of a bed. Uh, I don't know if it was used only for Hatanim, but uh, it, it was called Kilat Hatanim. And uh, so if the canopy is created in a way that the top doesn't have one horizontal, horizontally doesn't have uh, something that has uh, a width of at least a tefah, so it ends on on an edge, really. And not only that, but also if you take um, the, the the highest part, then the three tefahim that are closest to it also don't have a tefah. In other words, the slope is more pronounced. Given that it's this is made for it. Even if it's not kashur or talui like we required in halacha kaftet, even if it's not affixed from before Shabbat, it's um, sorry. Uh, that's the end of the halacha. It's permissible to 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 extend it and to remove it, so long as so long as it's not uh, far from the bed, far from the bed at least a tefah. In other words, it needs to be it needs to connect directly to the bed. Um, a, a shade or some kind of a window that that closes the the the, the window uh, space. Um, it's permissible to to. Um, to, to use it to close the window. And by the way, windows back in the day weren't only uh, vertical windows. You could have something that's more uh, in a slope or horizontal, diagonally, etc. A hat, uh, back in the day, apparently, this was a rarity. Nowadays, in certain communities, it's much more common for some people to wear hats or strimals, but something, or Mexican hats, something that has around the head um, that creates some kind of an ohel to the person, then good news is it's permissible, uh, from the point of view of ohel, it's permissible to wear such a hat on Shabbat. Indiana Jones 
I'm sure, is relieved. However, if uh, you also add to this a um, some kind of a cloth, uh, so imagine a kafia, but not a kafia that's loose, something that's very, very tight, so tight that it's it's almost as if it were solid around the head. That's forbidden because it's as if you are creating, in fact, an ohel arai. Not as if because you are creating ohel arai. Very interesting halacha. Let's say you want to set up a curtain. Then the moment you grab the curtain and you bring it uh, probably from behind you on top, over your head and you're, you're going to place it where it's supposed to be placed, then by doing that, you're creating a ohel on top of you right now. So you need to be careful not to do it from behind you, but rather to grab it from your from the front of you and not to bring it beyond your, your head because you don't want to create an ohel aray. Therefore, if it was large enough that it's almost impossible for one person to do so without creating an ohel, then two people need to do so to avoid this ohel situation. However, if this was a kila, like we explained before, and by the way, if anyone wants to see the picture of kila, it's here. It's a canopy on top of the bed. So if it's a kila, um, that has that has a roof, in other words, it has a tefah, then it's forbidden to, uh, to 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 open it on on Shabbat, even ten people, because by opening it, the moment you're opening it, you are creating, in fact, an ohel. In other words, uh, just to refresh our memory in, from from the halacha, was it kafhet uh, above? Um, the only reason kila is permissible is when it's touching the bed or or, or the ground. If it has some space, then it becomes much more like a roof and it's forbidden. So the moment you're setting it up, obviously you will have to separate it from the ground. So even if it's 10 people, it's going to create that situation. And given that it has that one tefah on top, then it's within the Kazerah and it's forbidden. of the chapter. If you have an open havit and you want to cover it with a cloth on top of it, it's forbidden to use a cloth that's going to cover its entirety. Because the moment you do this, you're creating an ohel, but you're allowed to do so if it's only covering just part of the neck of that havit. Havit is, a, is, a, is something where you store mostly wine. Or oil, or or devash. You have havit devash also, but mostly wine. Hamesanen bikrifa misrit. This is uh, filtering the wine for how you're allowed to filter and whether you're allowed to filter. You have to go back to 
to Perekhet Alachayot Dalet, um, but doing it in a permissible way with a Kefifami street with some filter. Is forbidden to then lift the filter over the keli more than one tefah because the moment you do so, you're holding this sheet on top of the of the of the keli and you are creating for the keli a a, a ohel and uh, just a refresher. All of these things that Hamim forbade are only forbidden in the narrowest sense. In other words. Uh, we can't take this example and say, oh, now I'm forbidden to lift a book on Shabbat because I'm creating on top of the table an ohel. Uh, we should limit ourselves to what Hachamim said, unless Harambam signals to us that this is an example belonging to a larger rule, and he do so by telling us, which he hasn't done in this halacha or most halachot of this chapter. Tomorrow we should do the Perek 33 of uh, Ilkhot Shabbat.